Welcome to Raising Consciousness with me, Lou Burrows, where raising human consciousness happens. On this show, I'm joined by guests to cover a range of topics and have conversations that will raise human consciousness for current and future generations. Now, let's dive into today's show. Welcome back to Raising Consciousness. Today I'm joined by Robin. Robin, thank you so much for being here in your lovely uh, studio. That's uh, my pleasure. <laughs> thank you for making the effort to come out here because it's difficult to find as well. No worries, <laughs> no worries. That, that Google Maps thing you sent was helpful. For those who don't know who you are, it would be great in like a couple of minutes to hear who is Robin and then yeah, we'll dive into the conversation all about money mindset, I believe. So Yeah, absolutely. Um, so to give a bit of context, a bit of background. So I've been running businesses now for close to 22 years. The first four years of that was as a systems analyst for a medical devices company. It was just pretty intense. I learned an awful lot about how to run a business, but also a lot about how not to run a business because mm. whilst the director of that company was very innovative around products, um, he was actually terrible at running a business and just spent way too much money. But that said, I did manage to, through the work which I did on the the production side of the systems managed to grow the business from about eight hundred thousand pound turnover to one and a half million um, by the time I left. Then I transitioned into setting up my first, I guess you call it proper business of my own. So that was a marketing agency. We ran that for twelve years. We had about two hundred and fifty clients. Managed to grow it to just shy of two hundred and fifty thousand pounds turnover and a team of four between two thousand four and two thousand sixteen. And then in two thousand sixteen, I, I had some. Um, I suppose you could probably call it a breakdown and just re- realized, you know, I, I had my, my first daughter was here, my second daughter was about to arrive. I had a lot of clients, so it felt like I had 250 bosses at the time, you know, clamoring for my attention and really just wanted a bit of a quieter life. So I um, ended up selling the agency and transitioned into coaching because thankfully a lot of people saw what we'd done with um, the coconut group when I was running it and they were very inspired and so we got I got approached by a lot of other agencies and similar sized businesses who were like well if you can do that for your business could you help us do that for our business so set up fearless business in 2016 after about three months off you can see the sign over and then I really haven't looked back so now now we focus very heavily on working with other coaches consultants creative agencies uh, work with all sorts of um, businesses as well who see us see us working in our niches and say, oh, could you do that for our business? Mm-hmm. So we have medical aesthetics clients. I work with accountants, all sorts of um, service client businesses. And really, yeah, the whole purpose of Fearless Business is to get the clients that we work with to a point where they, they fear the things in business ever so slightly less that typically hold them back mm-hmm. So from achieving their goals. So the majority of the work we do, which is obviously what we're going to talk about today, is based around having a, a more fearless mindset around um, money and pricing, getting paid their worth. Far too many people in this day and age undercharge and, and undersell themselves. So my job is really to give them a bit of confidence about the value they bring to the world and help them to step up with their pricing. Amazing. And what does fearless business mean for you? For, for me, well, so the reason we, I came up with the brand in the first place was about, it's not about being reckless. It's mm. really important to delineate between being fearless and being reckless. So being reckless in business would be essentially taking gambles, you know, with the business, mm-hmm. making big investments without really thinking things through and not seeing sort of the second and third order consequence of making those decisions. Being fearless, though, means that it's doing the stuff that you know you need to do, but just stepping outside of your comfort zone just enough right. to, to do it. So. Like I said, it could be increasing your prices. It could be going and doing your first speaking engagement in front of an audience of 50 or 100 people. It could be reaching out to your ideal client who otherwise you might think, oh, why would they want to work with me? So overcoming things like imposter syndrome. And there's a lot more to it than that. You know, you ask away with the questions and we can see where we go with it. 
Of course, I mean, one of the one of the things that first comes to mind for me is when you say about raising your prices when you when people are just getting started, you know. So obviously, they don't want to. Well, I would love to get your thoughts on this. Like, the is there a balance between like just getting started and you know kind of charging a fair price for where you are at in your own business journey and maybe being in business for five ten years or whatever it is and now increase like does that make sense like the balance between like just getting started and charging you know what somebody is five years in yeah but you you could be just getting started in industry and i think i think there's a difference here between business and then other professions if you mm -hmm. compare a business owner to somebody like a surgeon or a doctor when you go and have brain surgery, you probably do want to have a more experienced doctor who's maybe done a few, you know, been through surgery a few times and had yeah, some success with the operation, right? The reality is, though, with business, that like often we don't, the parameters are different, so we don't operate in life or death scenarios. There's effectively two things that could go wrong in business. One is you look a bit dumb, you just mm -hmm. look a bit stupid and it doesn't work out. The second, and that's really not that bad. There's always ways to mitigate that. The second thing is you might lose a bit of money. And a lot of people, when they're just starting out, they, they kind of see other people and they see the highlight reel of other people on social media and things like that and they for some reason don't believe that they can solve meaningful problems for their clients. Now I look at, I look at you know, I, I spent 12 years running a marketing agency. I look at what some of the graduates coming through now and, and apprentices coming through now can do with social media and I'm, not, I'm blown away by the results which they get on, you know, Monday social, you know, channels like TikTok and in, doing Instagram reels and, you know, all of the other sort of more traditional um, social media channels and things like that. Things that I don't have the time or energy to want to, or desire to want to go in and learn about all of the different ins and outs of those mm. platforms now. But you've got people these days who are so much more advanced than me, despite the fact I've been in marketing for 20 plus years, mm. right? So people shouldn't underestimate their superpower. The key thing is that they get very focused on what is the solution which they're providing for their client, mm. more to the point, what is the remarkable outcome or result which they're delivering for that client, okay? And if they can do that better than somebody who's been in that game for five years, they deserve to get paid their worth for it. Absolutely. I mean, I think like one of the things that's come to mind for me is um, with, with one of the professions you help with, like coaches, you know, there's quite a... I don't know if you've kind of, kind of seen this on like maybe on social. It's quite easy for anyone to maybe like brand themselves as a coach or like it's quite of a overpopulated market. I don't know if you would like agree 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 with that. And there's maybe like this thing of people who are in their twenties like branding themselves as like life coaches or something and then charging x x amount. I would love to kind of get your your thoughts about with, with your experience and just how you see that. Yeah. How you see that, really? Yeah, it's it can it's a bit of a controversial subject, and I I have very strong views on this because you, the key word I want people to remember here is congruency. So yeah, a 21 year old life coach, a fat fitness professional, you know, there, there's examples where you can see that there is some incongruency there. And but again, if they're able to inspire people and get a good, there shouldn't be a problem with that, provided they're congruent and they're also leading that life. There is. There's nothing wrong with there being a 21-year-old life coach who is only two or three steps ahead of their peers who they're actually coaching. Because right. if, if they're able to inspire them to create a, a transformation in their life, then there's, I don't see anything wrong with that. Where it becomes incongruent is if they're not living a life true to what it is that they're teaching other people. Okay, So if that you know, overweight fitness professional isn't waking up every morning and going to the gym and, and leading their best life. Mm. 
you could argue that's incongruent. Who are they to? Who are they? And I know it's a controversial. You'll probably get there'll probably be some comments back about this, like <laughs> you know. But but at the end of the day, it, it would be like you know, I don't know, a brain again, a brain surgeon living a life that isn't necessarily congruent with having a healthy brain, for example. Yeah. It, it just doesn't make sense, you know. Yeah. No. It, no. It's it's almost like kind of what I'm hearing is like being those two or three steps ahead of the people you are helping. Where sometimes in our minds we feel like we need to be the Tony Robbins of our industry, you know, obviously that's I'm kind of with that personal growth background or, you know, that top person in our industry when actually we don't, we just need to, as you're saying, like, inspire those people who are maybe those one or two steps behind us. Yeah, absolutely. And don't forget, like, Tony Robbins had to start from somewhere. He's been in the game for, like, 30 plus years. You know, fantastically inspirational guy. I don't often agree with a lot of what Tony Robbins, mm. like, talks about or portrays. However, I've got a massive respect for what he's done from a business perspective and how he's inspired so many people. Because sometimes it's the start of the journey is the most important part of, part of it. So if you've got someone like Tony Robbins who's there inspiring people to get started, I'm all down with that. Some of the other stuff I'm, I'm not, so, not so happy with. But I, I think you also, alongside the congruency, have to look at motivation. Like what motivates people to want to, in the coaching space especially, start out life as a coach in the first place. You know, for me it was never about the money. Okay, and I know that sounds slightly con contradictory to my whole sort of ethos around pricing money mindset, but I, I know that when I work with clients, I get paid, uh, it, like money is a byproduct of a job well done. Mm -hmm. My clients do well, I get paid. Mm -hmm. And that's much, much more important. I see a lot of coaches who start up and see, especially in this whole sort of celebrity culture of Instagram and TikTok and stuff like that, they see it as a quick win to make money. Yeah. And that for me is, like 100% wrong, okay? Yeah. The motivation should always be around, you know, you've got the four pillars of life, health, wealth, happiness, and fun. Mm -hmm. uh, what are relationships? Uh, sorry, got those in the wrong order. <laughs> I have to edit that bit out. No, health, wealth, uh, happiness, and relationships. Wealth is important, but equally, the other pillars are, are, are tantamount to that as well. Relationships as well isn't just about love and like finding a, a, a life partner. It's about, for me, it's about the relationships which you form with other human beings, you know, in your business following a vocation and like I said, if you if you forge strong relationships, the money is a natural byproduct of doing that well and being able to help people. Yeah, absolutely. I think one of the one of the challenges I don't know if you would agree you're more in this space than I am, around like people raising their prices, is their relationship with money. Is that something like your your work is like diving into the business owner's relationship with money, like where that's come from and and exploring that? Yeah, absolutely. So where, where is the biggest influence in most people's lives, you know, around those four pillars, so health, wealth, happiness and relationships? It's their parents. Yeah, so, childhood. you know, and I, I'm, not, I'm not qualified to, so I, I don't have any certifications around sort of things like NLP and hypno, hypnotherapy and stuff like that. So I, but it's something I'm very enthusiastic about. So, you know, I don't want to delve too much into the psychology behind like, you know, the baggage that people bring through from their, their sort of childhood. But what is quite common is, and we, we've all heard it before, is money doesn't grow on trees. Oh, look at that Range Rover, isn't that grotesque? Uh, and this is inherited language from our parents. You can't have those new trainers because we can't afford it. We can't go on holiday this year because it's too expensive, etc., etc., etc. So everything, you know, a lot of people's household arguments when they're a child, and certainly I'm speaking from experience here because this is what my life as a child was like, everything came back to money. All of the arguments in our household came back to money. And so I tell us this a story and you can see everybody in the, in the audience will be nodding along as I, as, I, as I tell the story in front of a live audience and with my clients. So 99% you know, of us 
aren't born with that silver spoon in our mouth, unfortunately. The challenge is though, if you then take that scarcity mindset, and this is where we start to move into the coaching sort of side of things now, scarcity mindset versus abundant mindset, you get to choose which one of those you, you want to believe the patterns you want to and the habits you want to follow. If you start to revert back to scarcity mindset, it's like yellow car syndrome, mm. right? So, you, and you're gonna hate me for this and probably everybody listening to this will hate me for this, right? Next time, well, when you go out in your car now, if I tell you, like, you won't notice any of the colors of any cars around you, probably on the drive here. But now that I've told you to focus on the yellow cars, all you're gonna notice is all of the yellow cars on the road, okay? And there's more than you think, believe it or not. And I, and I, I play a game with my children as well. We play a game when we go on long journeys called yellow car and you get a point if you sp the first person to spot a yellow car gets a point. How this is relevant to business and how this is relevant to individuals around scarcity mindset is that if, you're, if all you're focused on is scarcity, mm. lack, what's gonna show up? What are you gonna see more of? Lack and scarcity. And you know, that's like a very narrow one degree of focus. Whereas actually, abundance is about seeing the 359 degrees of opportunity around you. And you know, what tends to happen when people are so narrowly focused on scarcity um, and lack is fear starts to creep in. And what that fear kind of, how that fear shows up is that they, um, People know they've got, to, they've got to go and do podcast interviews. They know they've got to write that book. They know they've got to step up and do their 60 second pitch at a networking event. They know they've got to do all of these things for their business, but that fear and scarcity of like, they, there's, a, there's a fear of risk. What, what if it doesn't work out? What if I look stupid? Fear of failure, fear of letting other people down, fear of not finishing what you started. All these fears start to creep up and it's all scarcity based. Mm. Whereas actually, if you're just open and abundant and you just do the thing, you know, worst case, like, you know, worse off. But best case scenario is you, it has the positive impact that you were trying to create. So it's not just about money, it's about all aspects of business and life. Yeah, so you mentioned there about like, you don't want to necessarily want to focus on the NLP side, because obviously you've, but like for me, I, guess I definitely see a, a link between like, maybe like that sort of work and what we're talking about here. So when you're working with your clients, like, how does this, like our conversation, what's like the process to help them to go from a fear-based to an abundance mindset? Yeah, so... What, what does that look like? So the, there's three three things really which we focus on, which are behaviours to start off, you know, and there's a, there's a cycle as well based yeah. around this. So there's behaviours first, which impacts either your thoughts and or your emotions, so it can go either way. And then your emotions impact either your behaviors or your thoughts. And then your thoughts impact your behaviors or your emotions, right? And it can go round in a circle. So if, for example, that let's take, you know, if somebody maybe wakes up in the morning and they're, 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 they look at their bank balance and it triggers this kind of emotion and, and you know, this thought in them, which is, oh gosh, I haven't got much money. Mm. And the initial emotion is then fear. How are they gonna show up in the world? There's gonna be this, person who is just retreating rather than advancing. And then, and so they don't do the things which they know they're supposed to do, which then triggers further emotions, which triggers further negative thoughts, which triggers, and so this cycle kind of continues. And the, the, the nice thing about this is actually, it's a very simple pro to, to start to unpack and reprogram, because that's what this is about. So take me for example, I'm, I'm very, my negative cycle, I don't mind sharing this, is, is behaviors for example. So I know that if I have a specific thought that's negative, I, I have a very knee-jerk behavior um, reaction. I'll do something like straight away based on my thought patterns. And so if I can just, if I can just catch it in that moment and break that cycle, and that might just be a simple process of like actually taking a step back mm. consciously mm. with intent yeah. and taking a few deep breaths, 
Mm. And then, you know, straight away, even if, even in me just sitting back now and relaxing in my chair and just taking a deep breath, all of a sudden it just completely changed your state of mind. Yeah. So you, go, you can go back to your thought patterns now and go, was the behavior that I was about to take rational or not? Was it mm. going to help me or not? Was it going to, what was it based on? Mm. What was that behavior that I was about to take? You know, the decision making behind it, what was it based on? And then I can start to figure out from a, you know, now a rational mind, the blood's gone back to my brain. Mm. I can then think, well, what would have happened if I'd done that? Mm. Not just the first order consequence, but then the second and, th and third order consequences. You'd know. be more conscious on Yeah, on so you're making much more conscious decisions and therefore much more conscious behaviours as well as a result of it. That's what I'm, kind of I'm stepping into and with this podcast is like raising consciousness, right? And so it's, it's really fascinating to hear like how we can then for take more conscious actions, um, our behaviour to be more conscious, not just in business, obviously I'm coming at it from a life perspective as well, yeah. you know, across those four, four areas. But it's, it's, yeah, I find it fascinating how just like the whole uh, area of like consciousness really and relating it to business I guess the question that comes to my mind is like something around like the opposite of like, like that of why do you feel like people aren't taking those conscious actions if that makes sense I yeah I mean I, I think it's kind of the dirge of social media unfortunately mm -hmm. I think people people's brains are just so hardwired now into like you know cheating into devices and scrolling through you know TikToks and reels and stuff mm -hmm. like that and as entertaining as those are, unfortunately, it does program us to be consumers and passengers mm. as opposed to actually raising our level of consciousness and having some self-awareness. So we, end, we kind of end up just like behaving like robots a lot of the time, basically, and not paying attention, like just taking a moment of pa to pause and paying attention to like everything that's going on around us, least of all what's going on inside us in terms of our body. So, you know, what little I do know about NLP, they talk about things called triggers and anchors, for example. Mm. You know, it's quite common, you'll see people like scrolling through social media, something will trigger them. So it mm. could just be seeing somebody's profile or seeing something which somebody's written in that profile or whether it agrees or disagrees with their core beliefs or values which they've sort of ingrained in themselves. And rather than tune into that and go, oh, why, why am I getting this jarring effect? Yeah they react to it on autopilot because they see everybody else on social media reacting to it and they get caught up in this whole you know trolling culture and they feel they have to respond to it and it's like actually you don't have to respond to any of it because what that person said is like you know completely outside of your control is mm. it then they didn't do it to elicit feedback directly from you they didn't do it specifically to piss you off or anything like that they did it because they had something to vent about so we find that, and, and I've noticed it, it's, it's not just because of social media, I think there's a lot of other things which are, you know, it's, it's media in general. I think COVID, unfortunately, has like created this massive, you know, we're in this online and very isolated world. Mm. I think it's um, intensified it. Um, but we, you've got to just, you know, you've got to tune in. When you feel that jarring thing, like you said, tune into it and go, why, why do I feel like that? Is this relevant to me? Mm. Are they doing, is this thing that's out of my control actually aimed directly at me? And quite often the answer is no. And then you have to ask yourself, seriously, do I need to get involved in this or not? And, and again, like it, there's, it, it just, if you do get involved in it, it just perpetuates negative like behavior patterns and negative feedback loops. So those tuning into those anchors and triggers, uh, the triggers, sorry, more importantly, is like very, very important in terms of starting to undo some of this. Then it's a matter of like figuring out 
your process for being able to cope with it. Mm. How, how do you stop yourself from reacting? How do you slow yourself down? You know, a lot of people talk about, you know, the 5am club and meditation yoga and breathing exercises and various things like that. And that's, that's great for a lot of people if you have the time. When you have a, uh, an eight and a five-year-old like I do in a busy family life and trying to do school runs and juggle the business and things like that, some, sometimes sitting down and doing 30 minutes of yoga is not impossible because you'll have a child or a dog jumping on top of you. But you can take a, like 30 seconds just to ground yourself and do some do some breathing exercises yeah. and just reset your brain and just tune out from somebody else's story. So, so for, for me, like, it's fascinating how these sorts of things also help with business. You know, I feel like maybe in, you know, I'm still quite young, so, you know, I haven't necessarily been in business or, or whatever it is for for a while, but sometimes there's like, we see a separation ultimately, ultimately between life and business and I just want to kind of get your thoughts on that because for me I just kind of see it as, as one and that actually things like deep breathing if you're in a stressful meeting or call or whatever the situation it, it can help so yeah I just like wanted to speak to that. Yeah I, I have some quite strong views on this so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be try and be as diplomatic as I can. There's a lot of bullshit I'll be honest around the whole work-life balance thing like at the end of, at the end of the day you know, work can be a means to an end and it can be very destructive. What I believe in more so is around life balance. Mm. Because generally speaking, if, if, you're, if, if your life is out of balance, it's gonna show up, whether that's at home with your family, it's gonna show up whether you're at work, it's gonna show up with your friends, you know, the activities which you do and things like that. And so, you know, the, I think there is this, you know, it, it goes into that, again, what we were talking about before, that robotic culture of I must work and bury myself in work. And you can use work as a bit of a crutch to run away from other areas of your life. You're working out maybe so well, whether it be money, relationships, or whatever it might be. And so, again, it's just tuning into that and trying to figure out, like, what is what life balance am I searching for here? How can I lead a calmer, more peaceful life where... I'm, I'm forging like more, you know, deeper connections with my friends, with my family and, and myself as well. You know, you know, not forgetting the most important person in the room. And I don't mean that egotistically looking at Robin here. I mean, yeah. it's the Royal House. Yeah, it's the, the Royal House. So taking time out to, you know, I've, I've, got a, I've got a couple of days off planned over the next months. And I've already gone and booked myself to go down to the Wave at Bristol to do some surfing. Because mm. I know that that fills me up. Mm. It fills me with joy. I have a lot of fun when I'm doing it. It re-energizes me. And so when I then come back to my desk, yes, I'm gonna have emails and yes, I'm gonna have social media posts to reply to. And yes, I'll have other stuff that I will have built up during that time, but I'll be in a better place mindset-wise and physically to be able to deal with those and give, give my, you know, play my best game. Absolutely. In the time we have left, there was one question that I wanted to ask a little bit different to what we've spoken about, but I think like sometimes, well, I suppose it could be linked to the conscious behaviour. In business, I kind of see how, and I've experienced this myself, how sometimes it's about just being busy for the sake of being busy, yeah. you know. So what kind of tips or advice would you give someone to really identify those activities, those business tasks that really move the needle in, in their business? Yeah, I mean, again, it's, it's you know, there's this whole sort of hustle and grind mentality, which is kind of, I, I, look, I'm not, I'm not shy of like hard work. I've, I've worked, you know, I've been in business for 20 plus years. There's been times when I've pulled all nighters. I've renovate, I've been renovating a cottage for four years at the same time as like, you know, um, running my businesses. And sometimes you have to knuckle down and just do the work. 
equally, if you are just showing up to you know to work every day and just scrolling through your emails and like might, you know getting getting to the end of the day and scratching your head thinking what have I actually done with today? I I think there's a there's a difference between like working hard and working smart, isn't there? Mm. You know, that's a massive cliche, but. But ultimately, like if, if if answering those emails hasn't in business, especially if answering those emails hasn't led to getting yourself on a podcast, mm-hmm. if it hasn't led to a client, a prospective client booking a call with you, if it hasn't led to a book being shipped out the door, if it hasn't if it hasn't led to something actually productive mm-hmm. that is going to move your life and your business forward, what's what's the point? Yeah. Yeah, very true. Awesome. So, Robin, I'm a bit conscious of time, but do you have any like final thoughts, words of wisdom that you would like to share to help our audience move forward? Yeah, I think I think one of the things I've learned over my years in business, and it's, it's linked to the question you just asked me as well, is that um, like the whole four-hour work week thing again is bullshit. But there's a, there's a balance to be had between creating a job for yourself and working 40, 50, 60 hours a week mm-hmm. and the four hour work week. And I, th- I think it's a matter of just slowing things down a little bit. You know, there's, there's a word which has been really in, like intensified during COVID and it's scaling. Like there's this whole mm-hmm. scaling culture around, especially around coaching practices. And the reality is like just sit back and ask yourself do you really want to scale your business yeah. actually a lifestyle business might be better for you like i've certainly found that i've been through various stages where i've wanted to like grow and scale and hustle and grind and work you know push and everything else and it I just ended up burnt out mm-hmm. and it's been unproductive and you know it might be that i go back to that and have another go at it but like take for example right now i'm happy like more than happy having a six-figure coaching practice my house is just over there, you know, 20 meter commute, yeah. you know, to my house, yeah. fill up my coffee and then when the weather's better I can go and sit out the back, you know, with a beer overlooking that amazing view. Why, why would I choose being busy and having VAs to manage and all these, you know, big team and loads of, you know, I've got that. Yeah. Why would you not want to enjoy that? And I think that's something that a lot of people forget. They get caught up in somebody else's story, which is scaling, growth, hustle mentality, working all the time. It's actually not very healthy. Yeah, and I, I love that. I feel like that's something that, um, going back to like the social media thing, is that it's like we see these kind of big players and you know they kind of have all this stuff and like this lifestyle and, stuff, and we kind of question, oh, like I want that. But it's interesting, like most episodes I talk about comes back to like values, you know, and yeah. actually, and actually, what do you, like, is that actually what I desire or, or is that, you know, I'm taking on somebody else's dream maybe you know so just quickly tell me how important you can feel like values are oh massively it's it's all about like building on creating and building on your own story i think that's the most important thing and hopefully that story is positive it's engaging it's going to be helpful to other people as well when you start to buy into somebody else's story it, it can it can be very negative it can it can lead you down a path that maybe maybe ultimately isn't going to lead to fulfillment mm. and you can still grow a million pound a year business or whatever your dream goals mm. are but but ultimately, if you're not enjoying the process, like it, I what I found is if you design a business and you can enjoy the process in terms of achieving that goal, generally speaking, it's it's much more fun, much more enjoyable, it's much less much less pressure. And the best part about it is when people seeing you have that much fun, they also want to come along for the ride as well. Yeah, you're talking off about that community. I feel like it can also can also build that um, yeah. as well because people can come and see you. Amazing, Robin. Where can people find you online if they want to learn more about? Fearless business, obviously, it's on your t-shirt. Yeah, like where where do they go? 
Yeah, absolutely. So fearless.biz, we've got a few resources on there for business owners and for people to get stuck into. My books are on Amazon, so I should we should have a copy here to wave at the camera, but Take Your Shot is the latest book, which um, is actually told as a, a story, like a parable. It's, it's all about the emotions around one particular business owner and his journey. So I definitely recommend going to grab hold of a copy of Take Your Shot on Amazon. And that, that helps with my beer kitty as well. So, And then there's also, if people do want to sort of follow up on this conversation with me, you know, if you get the book, leave a review. I'll mm. always have a 30 minute chat with you just to see, you know, where you might need some help with your business, your life or, or whatever. Amazing. Robin, thank you so much for joining me. Today. My pleasure. Thank you. And for more after today's show, be sure to head on over to raisingconsciousness.show to get all of the show notes, transcriptions, videos for each episode, and a hell of a lot more. And if you got value from this episode, found it insightful, or learned a thing or two, please leave a review where you can let everyone know that this show is worth checking out. I appreciate you so much. You'll be hearing from me in the next episode.